0: Welcome to the UK Scriptwriters Podcast, for those who have tuned in. I'm Danny Stack. I'm without Tim Clegg today, uh, because I've lined up this very special one-on-one interview with Mr. Mark Stay. Hello, Mark. Hello, Danny. How are you? I'm I'm
1: sorry sorry, Tim's Tim's not here, actually. actually.
0: Yes, no, he sends his regards, but um, (laughs) sometimes we get interviews and I go, I'll do that one, and he goes, I'll do that one, and that's (laughs) that's the way it works. Plus, sometimes my Skype is better than his, or vice versa. Right, 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 right. Anyway, so uh, I was just... Telling Mark that I've been a long-time fan of his. Um, Mark's written the UK family film, Robot Overlords, Mm. uh, which was released last year. But it it was released on DVD last week, isn't that right, Mark? Uh, not quite. We
1: uh, we're out on August the tenth. So oh, okay. P- depending when this goes live, uh, we've been on video on demand as of last week. So if you've got sort of uh, iTunes and Virgin Media and stuff like that, you can download us from there and stream us on there. Uh, we had a premiere at the London Film Festival last year, and then we got a teeny-weeny little theatrical release in March this year. But yeah. I think that the home entertainment release is, is the big one.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, we'll certainly um, lead up to speaking to robot overlords a bit more. Mm. I'm going to do a classic hypnotherapist technique on you, Mark, and go, <laughs> let me take you back. Okay, I'm feeling very sleepy. (laughs) Let me take you back, sir, uh, because just a quick kind of summary of your bio. Uh, Well, before I even go even further back, I'm just going to mention the microwave scheme, the film London microwave scheme. I think that's when you first kind of significant breakthrough, uh, which was a film called Eddie's Dead.
1: And he said, Yeah, that was the I think it was the first ever London Microwave film scheme as well. Which which, which produced um Shifty and Mum mm-hmm. and Dad. And from what I've been told, we were like third on their list, but because we had so so many VFX in ours, we uh we we didn't quite come in under the hundred grand, um, so I'm told. Um but that was that was great fun. That was my uh Sort of first full length screenplay that I sent around town. I'd done um, my wife and I ran our own theatre company. I've I'd, I'd been writing my own plays, but what became very clear is that I'm not really a playwright because all those plays had sort of short, the sort of short, punchy scenes that you'd find in a movie. And yeah. um, one of them uh, was a ghost story called, which then was called Waiting for Eddie. Uh, and I showed it to a producer called Dean Fisher. Um, I, know, I know Dean, yeah. Dean is is, uh, is is a great guy and he introduced me to John and John and I clicked immediately, he liked the script and Dean managed to get us on the on the microwave screen, which is really good fun. Really, really good fun. If you ever get a chance to do it, just do it. Because even if it doesn't get made, you get fantastic feedback on your script, you get actors to sort of get it on its feet. It's it's a terrific experience. You meet all sorts of people.
0: Uh, yeah, it is still going, isn't it? I mean, you
1: Ooh, you yeah. got in on
0: the first time round, which was, I think, two thousand and six ish. Gosh, really? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> so it's still going um, strong, and uh, I think the only kind of specification is that you have to be London based, or your pro- or your project has to be London kind of specific, I guess. Yeah, I think it's just set in London and shot in London. Um, so,
1: you know, uh, ours was set all over central London, which and of course all London-based, so that did help. But yeah, as far as I know, I think it just had to be set in London.
0: Okay. Okay, so let me take you back further than that, because you've mentioned you have um, you run your theatre company, mm. uh, but on your bio, on your website, it said you were an actor as well.
1: I know. So uh, is, when, is that how
0: you started off?
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean it's I I Going even further back, I've I've sort of joked that Star Wars ruined my life. I mean, up to up to that point, I wanted to be a fireman. A fire engine came to our school. I sat in the fire engine. I put the hat on. I rang the bell. I thought this is the life for me. And then a few weeks later, on my fifth birthday, my dad took me to see Star Wars, and it just changed everything. There's a whole generation of us of a certain age who have been yeah. ruined by Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of them, and uh, it, it was. Uh, I, I I I used to write. I used to act you know and uh, i enjoyed acting a lot and being a bit of a show-off kind of helped and i kind of thought it was easier and i got with local theater companies i did stuff on the fringe in london and edinburgh and I had a good time but it soon became apparent that you know my career trajectory was not the same as harrison ford's and well, you were still putting yourself uh, out there as an uh, actor and, though. and sorry
0: you were still putting yourself out there as an actor though which is impressive yeah,
1: yeah, I was, I was enjoying it, um, but I, uh, I, I wrote a play, and a friend of mine who worked in television at the time said to me, look, there's, there's too many actors, but not enough writers, and you can write, and I think that's all any writer needs to hear, they, just some kind of validation that, that, that you can do this, and I sort of did a play here for a few years, and then then met Dean and John, and, and haven't really looked back, frankly
0: yeah so you mentioned the the person who said you could write. was that a friend, did you say or a producer? Yes, yeah, a
1: friend of mine I, got, I think it's like when I grew up i didn 't know anyone in film or television I, my, my uncle knew Nosha Powell, the stuntman, and that was it. you know <laughs> I had no family connections whatsoever, so the idea of me doing anything in film. Uh, seemed incredibly remote. I mean, I'd, I'd come back from school and instead of doing homework, I'd watch stores, Star Wars, Jaws, or Raiders of the Lost Ark on VHS, and that was like my film school. Uh, but a friend of mine. Uh, uh, he was a cable basher I think on uh, things like TFI Friday uh, yeah. he's, and uh, a friend of Uncle Jeremy who funnily enough has produced a couple of the behind the scenes things on the Robot Overlord right. there's, there's a full circle for yeah, it yeah. and, and he, he you know he just said there's, there's too many actors and I knew that from going to auditions there's just too many people who wanted shampoo commercials more than I ever did you know yeah. and, uh, and uh, he, he he put me on that path and I'll be forever grateful for that
0: well, it's a very nice thing to say to someone in, and obviously fueled the right kind of inspiration for you. Mm. Would you say that is entirely accurate now in retrospect, that there aren't enough writers?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I think, I mean, just have to look at something like the London Screenwriters Festival. I think there are a lot of writers out there now. It's uh, it's become an industry, the, the kind of the wannabe writer. You can get, you know, degrees in creative writing. And, of course, it's, uh, you know, if you want to be published, well, who needs a public Sure, you can you can go to Kindle Direct, you know, and publish your own stuff. You can make your own movies with a phone. It's become you know democratized in in that way. So I think there are a lot more writers uh, around, but that said, you know, very few good ones. I think.
0: Yes. So, on your particular timeline, though, where are we exactly? Are we in in the new? century of the 21st century or are we still in the late
1: 1990s um, let's see now that was that the play I wrote that he said he liked uh, my daughter had just been born so that was 99 so right. yeah that was about 15 16 years ago ok
0: and was the play Unusually Tall Boy that one
1: that's the one yeah it was about all the horrific camping uh, trips my parents had taken me on as a child
0: perfect and
1: uh, it seemed to chime with a lot of people so uh, and that that got me an agent who you know introduced me to Dean uh you know, and it was there's there's a lot of failing along the way there's a lot of finding out who you are as a writer they thought i could be a comedy writer i, I, I can write i mean if you watch robert Overlords, there's lots of fun in it and lots of comedy in it but i'm not an out and out comedy writer yeah. uh, so there's a lot of you know trying this and trying that and getting it wrong and getting it wrong but as you the more you get it wrong the the, kind of, the better you get you know you start exercising different muscles you start becoming more confident each time you sit down to write something new
0: So did you sit down, you know, a friend telling you maybe over a beer that you can write is Mm. all very well. But So did you consciously kind of sit down and go, right, I'm going to give this a full and proper go? I mean, your daughter's just born, you just said... Mm. So that obviously has a, a specific challenge in terms of income and responsibility.
1: Well, I, that's writing as well is something I can do around the day job. And I've worked in book selling and publishing for the last 20 years. And, and acting was becoming uh, increasingly exhausting and more difficult to do with young children as well. So it, uh, it it all kind of made sense to me. And I think like a lot of writers, I read every book out there, you know, Robert McKee's story, all of those books on, on how to write. And uh, it, it essentially put Gave names to things I kind of already knew, but it was, it's, it spurred you on, you know. And uh, I we would stage plays, uh, and you'd get an immediate reaction. If it was funny, people would laugh. If it worked, they'd tell you afterwards. If it didn't work, they'd definitely tell you afterwards. And through, you know, again, through making lots of mistakes, you learned what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and you start getting an idea of who you are as a writer. I and mean, it's, it's only taken about 15 years. So. <laughs> hey, that's, old, that's,
0: old. that's just the beginning, yeah. Exactly. Just get started, you know <laughs> well, we're definitely seeing a theme, I think, in terms of when we speak to writers on the podcast and their background. A lot of them mention um writing plays or being playwrights of some description either on radio or theater has been mm-hmm. has been a good kind of breeding ground. so would it be fair to say that you know from the time that you sat down to be a, a screenwriter, you were still writing plays or putting on plays? and things like that Definitely,
1: definitely. I, I just think um, the opportunities in the UK are there with radio. They're there with. I mean, theatre. It's you know we could put on a play at my local theatre in Epsom, uh for a few hundred quid, and yeah. we, nine times out of ten we'd make that money back. Wow! Um, so you know it was fairly low risk. I was fortunate in that I knew a lot of actors. I knew some great techie people, some lighting people, and directors, and people like that who could, who could you know we could all work on this together. So, I, I, you know, I possibly had an advantage over some other writers in that I, I, I had the acting background, but it definitely helps. It yeah. definitely helps. And, uh, you know, but, you know, these days, I, if this was me 15 years ago, I, I'd i be working with, you know, an iPhone or a digital camera or something like that, making movies with friends. I did make a few short films, but they weren't very good. But yeah. uh, it's, it's so much easier now, so much easier to get your you'll film out there and get it seen, you know. And, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, whether or not it's any good is another thing entirely, but, you know, the, the, uh, the, 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 the avenues are there to get stuff out onto the
0: net. Well, during this time, did you kind of have any specific ambition or goal in mind with regards to your kind of screenwriting career? Or were you just oh. kind of rolling with whatever was happening at the time? Well, you know, I
1: I wanted to write feature films. Um, I, you know, I um, it's it seems. I, I mean, I guess you know the, the the microwave one was a low budget genre film. So genre's is the stuff I like. You know, I uh, like science fiction and the horror and that kind of stuff. So it, it made sense to me to to, to pursue that avenue. Um, the, to sort of jump the queue the way I have, and, how, you know, First Film is a fairly big-budget science fiction film with CG robots blowing stuff up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was pinching myself constantly when I was on set, you know. So that's... um. But, you know, I, I, I think because I had a day job, because I wasn't relying on the writing for money, I wrote the stuff that I wanted to see, and I wasn't there were chances where people said you know you could write an episode of doctors you could write you know this this or the other which i know is a great training ground for for writers but that i just don't watch those shows and i i just didn't feel like it i just felt like if i spent my time writing the kind of stuff i wanted to see i'd get better at that if you see what i mean you yeah. Know? so uh, i i stuck at it stuck at it and i've i mean i I guess I've got a reputation as the guy who writes the big genre stuff now, which I think, when uh, my agent's sort of touting me around town, really helps because there aren't many British writers that that, that do that, and I think I worry that's kind of um, comes from a sense of well, we don't really make those kind of films or TV over here, so so why bother? Um, it does mean I get fewer opportunities come along, but when they do come along, they tend to be the
0: big ones. Indeed, yeah, I think it's, well, you bring up a good kind of consideration, really, is which is knowing what type of writer you are mm. and kind yeah. of sticking to that if you can, I guess. Definitely, I mean, definitely. I mean,
1: one of my one of the big mistakes I made uh, about five years ago, I guess, is is I, I, you know, when you're young and a bit desperate, uh, I um, I was offered uh, an all-out comedy, kind of uh, quite a bawdy comedy as well. I said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do that, and and snapped it up. And it was was quite a painful writing experience because it just wasn't me it's just not the kind, of, it's the kind of thing I might watch but it's not something I'm passionate about and I think the thing you have to realise is when when you're writing you're you know I mean, Robert Oval's from the first email to the cast and crew screening was four years which is pretty fast in British terms so you have to live with that screen script uh, and all the rewrites that come with it with it, and all the notes and all the changes and all the aggravation for at least four or five years, if not longer. And if if you're not able to skip out of bed every morning and start writing it straight away with a big smile on your face, then, you know, maybe it's not the script for you.
0: Yeah. Well, that is interesting that it was four years. I mean, that is exceptionally quick, really. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. We were very, very lucky. Um, it's, it, was, it was immaculate timing. John was in post-production on Grabbers, very excellent Grabbers, yeah. uh, when he had the idea. Uh, and he emailed me and said, are you interested? And I was like, yeah, bloody right I am. And uh, he put together a pitch and it just so happened that uh, the producer of Grabbers, Pierce Tempest, came in and he just said, I'm looking for a family science fiction film. You know, oh, uh, Do you have anything? And it just so happened that John had had this idea so within weeks Piers got us development money from the bfi we had concept art coming in and, and we had money to start writing the first draft so you know it was incredible it's uh, I've, I've i've been really spoiled on this production and i know i'll never have it this good again so <laughs> i've i've enjoyed it every single minute of it
0: well that's john wright you mentioned the director yes yeah. so obviously you must have known him prior uh-huh. Yeah,
1: well, uh, that was the um, Film London Microwave thing. Uh, he was attached to the script uh, I wrote then. And while we were working on that, he gave me another script to rewrite, which I did. And he liked what I did. And we've kind of been working on stuff ever since, you know, either me writing for him or the pair of us writing together.
0: That's That's interesting. I mean, how did you find developing this? I mean, essentially, you developed it from scratch together, didn't you? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, John was still in post production on Grabbers, so we we did an outline, and I said, well, look, I'll go away and I'll start working on a treatment. Uh, and after a couple of weeks he emailed me said how are you getting on I said um, I'm about 60 pages in <laughs> how many <laughs> this, is, this isn't a treatment this is a script uh, And I, once you start adding dialogue to that as well it's uh, so I kind of did the first draft almost on my own okay. then then John came in and he rewrote it and then we kind of went in this circle where we'd go back and forth back and forth back and forth so it was um, and we had great help from the BFI uh, with Natasha Walton and Jamie Walpert there, who gave us fantastic notes, really, really good notes. Yeah. And John also has this uh, group of uh, filmmakers, which he calls the Tiny Tank Think Tank, which... It has writers like Nick and Mark Huckabee, and we have actors on there and, and VFX people and editors, and they all chip in. They all give us very, very tough notes. They give the script a really good kicking, but it, it only makes the script stronger. Wow. So, you know, we had great input from the very, very start. And uh, it's, uh, again, when you're sort of world building with science fiction, you know, the a lot of the rewrites were making sure that world actually worked. You know the rules of the world and and uh, and the day to day and the kind of stuff that you all, you kind of sweep under the carpet, but you know it's there and you know how it works. But it's kind of exposition. You don't want to bog down the story, but it's it was a it was a it was a very vigorous process. And John is very vigorous. You know he, he this stuff does all add up. It does all make sense.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Especially the director has to kind of tell everybody on set what it all means, I guess, so if he doesn't Ex- know. Exactly, exactly, and that was
1: something, uh, that's a very interesting point, because I was very conscious of that when I was writing with him, I, I realised he would be the guy standing in the middle of all this chaos with the actors and the crew around him, you know, and, and he had to be absolutely clear on every single scene, that and, um, you know, I could stamp my feet and say, I love the speech. I want to put this in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but if it didn't make sense to him, then it wouldn't be well directed. And then what's the point? You know, so it's yeah. uh, it was a really interesting process working with someone who's been through production a few times and can speak with the experience about, well, this isn't going to work because of X, Y, Z. And You have to kind of, go, OK, all right, I bow to your experience there. So it's uh, it, it did make the script a lot stronger.
0: So, uh, and so apart from the short films that you've made by yourself before and, mm. and your plays, was this your first kind of produced piece? Yeah, it was. Wow. It really was. I mean, uh, John and I had
1: you know come close before on a few occasions, um, but uh, this just hit the ground running. And, of course, being my first film, uh, I was constantly looking over my shoulder and waiting to be fired. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> there was there was a point where we, we were talking, I think, think it was to Universal Studios about they they could have picked it up and it would have been a studio film. If it had, I've no doubt they would have fired me and brought in a more experienced writer. Mm. Um, so it's, it's nothing short of a miracle that I, I saw it through to the end. But you know you, you, you kind of have to prove yourself you know, you have to you, you'll get notes from people and there, there is a lot of pressure in, especially in that week in the run-up to production as well when everything's coming together and there's a million little changes that you have to make uh, but you know it's if you keep your head down, you work hard It's um, it all pays off in the end I think
0: Yes, well now that we have the nice retrospect of the film being out for over a year now mm. um, what's your kind of recollections looking back in terms of the differences between writing a script and thinking you know what works and what doesn't and how everything's going to kind of turn out, you know, everything the books tell you, basically, in terms of structure and your story and everything's great, as opposed to living and breathing the actual production process and coming out the other end. Um, you you learn that it really is a collaborative process. Uh, I mean, I've, um,
1: I've worked on... Fiction. I wrote the novelization of Robot Overlords, and I'm working on a novel now. And the novel will ultimately be me and the editor essentially, and it's a very sort of close partnership. Uh, but with writing a screenplay, it's only when you've been through production you realise what an incredibly collaborative experience it is, and all for the better i think so you know you you work on this idea maybe on your own or maybe with another writer you you know, you work on rewrites for years and years and years and years but all of a sudden all these other people get their mitts on it. And it can be actors changing lines. It can be the production designers suggesting different locations. Uh, It can be the editor suggesting that actually uh, this thing you've got on page 10, why not try opening with that? You know, all these things. Now you have to, A, develop a bit of a thick skin, sort of take these ideas on board, and you have to be receptive to them as well. And uh, it's... For me, I, you know, you come out of it so much stronger uh, having having been through that that kind of process, and it's um, it's great. It's set me up, you know. For I I can't wait to go into production on the next thing, you know, because uh, I think all these other people uh, will add in their own way. I and mean, some ideas are don't work. Some ideas are fantastic. But I think if you're receptive to them at least, um, then your story, your script, your dialogue, it can only it can only improve.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean as you were the only writer on the project as well, pretty much.
1: Uh, well, no, John, John is, is a co-writer. I mean, he he's, um, like I said, he was in Grabbers for sort of the first chunk of it. But once we, once the you know, we were on the rails, then he was very much a full-on co-writer, definitely. Yes, Full credit no, to
0: him. Yeah, but what I meant was uh, you being on it from start to finish, as you say. Yes, you yes, know, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You lived it, you know, not just emotionally, but physically as well, mm, which yeah. I, I think there's a, big difference i think in terms of what you think you know prior to something and then afterwards when it's all done and dusted yeah um even one of the things on nelson nutmeg as we're getting the edit together Mm. one thing i'm noticing just as a writer is you know the effectiveness of transitions uh, between scenes and not just like a writer cleverly linking scenes just more about the visual detail that you might need just to create an extra bit of pace. Definitely, um, definitely. The thing
1: you have to abandon is the little pieces of paper that you've been living with for the last few years. Uh, it, it no longer exists as a script it's now a film, yeah. you know, and it's uh, it's this living, breathing thing that well, you can, you know, with transitions and uh, and uh, clever editing and sound effects, you can completely transform a scene. So you have to stop thinking in that kind of well, it, it was it didn't say that in the script. Well, you know, it's not a script anymore. You have to put that aside. It's now become this other thing, and I think once you embrace that, then you'll be much happier as a writer. I think.
0: Brilliant. Uh, well, Robot Overlords is is far from finished now, isn't it? Because there's an exciting opportunity to get it going as a TV series, I guess. Yeah,
1: really exciting. We, um, we've um we got Chris Lunt uh, as a showrunner, which is really exciting. He's a fantastic writer. The guy who did
0: Prey for ITV, was it?
1: Yeah, BAFTA nominated writer, and uh, he pitched his take on it to John, myself, and Piers, our producer, uh, a couple of months ago, and just blew us away. It, I can't say any more about it because it's all tip top secret. Yeah. Um, but it's fantastic. It's really, it's taken kind of our premise and taken it somewhere else, and it's really exciting, really, really exciting. So Chris is is essentially running the show. Hopefully, John and I will get to write a few episodes, um, but it's very much his baby now, I think, and it was. Cool. was kind of weird at first because it's like there's there's someone else playing with my toys um but it's uh having met chris you know we're in very very safe hands it's going to
0: be awesome i think that's very exciting yeah Mm, we we should say for the people who maybe haven't even seen the film yet and because Mm. it's going to be out in dvd next week uh you should give us the pitch (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, of course, what's it all that. Um Yeah, well Robot Overlords is set in a world where we've been invaded by uh, uh, robots from another world, they've occupied the entire planet, they defeated our armies in just 11 days. And everyone is confined to their homes. So we all have these implants on the sides of our neck. And if you step outside, it activates the implant. You get one warning to go back inside from the, the robot on your street. Uh, or you get vaporized. And uh, this has been going on for three years. Our hero, a young man called Sean Flynn, is convinced that his father, who was an RAF pilot before, is convinced his dad is still alive. So he and his friends figure out a way to... Uh, They stumble across a way to deactivate their implants and they go on a quest to find his father. And it's just really good, fun, pacey adventure. We've we've aimed it at kids from about eight to fourteen years old, which I think uh, isn't you know, that, which is what I love about Nelson and Not because it's it's a it's a section of the market that's not really well catered for in this country. You know, we and if you're eleven, say eleven years old, you haven't seen British kids having a big screen you know genre adventure since *Harry Potter*. You know, so this is that was. I was definitely making it for my kids, you know, who are 13, 15 now. Um, and uh, from the test screenings, they just love it. They absolutely love it. If you're, you know, ten or eleven years old, you can have an absolute who. If you're a Doctor Who fan, it's been compared to that a few times. So um, it's scary in places. Uh, it's got lots of fun. Uh, it's got lots of action and adventure, and it looks fantastic. John, you know, got some amazing lenses for this, and it's uh, shot in anamorphic, and it really looks the business, and, and sounds amazing as well. If you've got a bit of surround sound at home, then crank it up because
0: it sounds awesome. I found on the internet an article. It was either an interview, or an article that you had written, or an interview, as I say. Mm-hmm. And it was your like top seven tips for budding screenwriters. Oh gosh! And yes. If you, I don't know if you remember it, but I'll go through the kind of what, tips. What, what rubbish did I come out with? And, and, you, and you, <laughs> you can fill in the blanks, as it were. Okay, uh, go no, for it. Number one was uh, read scripts.
1: Yes, definitely. And they're, they're everywhere now. You know, you, um, there, there's always an award season. It's great because uh, the for your consideration season comes up and you can find legitimate PDF shooting scripts everywhere. So you know, download them, have a read and just see how other people do stuff. And it's, uh, you, you soon discover there are no rules, there are just principles. And uh, it's, um, it's always refreshing to see someone else's writing. So, yeah. And, you know, you've got BBC Writers' Room as well, which is fantastic. Yes. So uh, They've got a, uh, a good script library going now. Mm, definitely. My iPad's full of them, so.
0: Very good. And so number two on your list was write, just write.
1: Yeah, every day if you can. Every single day, I, you, I mean, I've got a full time job. I write on my commute into work. I write on my lunch break. I write on the commute home, so I can get two hours a day done. Really good, solid writing, plus evenings, plus weekends. You know, there's some, um, you can do a lot of work in that time. So yeah, I think you know. I mean, I, you know, I know writers who, again, a lot of writers in the UK have to have a day job, and they work around it, or they might take a week off work, or they write just at the weekends, but. I try and do a bit every day and it is kinda of like going to the gym, you know, in that you love it and you and you know, it's exercises different muscles and you know, it's uh, once you get to the habit of it, you miss it when you're not doing it. You kind of feel guilty when you're not doing it. So yeah, right every day if you can.
0: Very good. Number three on your list was think, sound and vision.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um it's I uh, I uh I, I think, you know, you, you worry so much about getting inside the characters' minds, you can forget what's going on around them. You need, to, you need to paint a picture, essentially, and keep it short and punchy as you can. I mean, it helps with something like Robert Overlords, which is quite comic booky in that you can have kaboom, you know, and stuff like that. But it's, it's got to jump off the page. You've, you've got to put that image into someone else's head, and usually it's, you know, some poor uh, development exec who's reading their fifth or sixth script of the day. You know, and if they can't visualize it, then they're going to put you down after ten pages. You know, so uh, yeah, you definitely need to keep it punchy.
0: Keep it punchy, thinking sound and vision. I like it. Absolutely. Uh, number four, a big one is rewrite.
1: Oh, yeah. You've got to learn to love the rewrites. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I do love the rewrites. You know, I, uh, I, I mean, robots was 20, 21 drafts in the end. Uh, but, you know, in between that, there were a million changes that we made. And uh, I think, again, once you once you get a bit of experience and you learn that the rewrites only make your script stronger... You know, and uh, it's it. You you'll only get better by rewriting. Well, I mean, when I wrote my plays, I might have written four or five drafts tops. And when I look back at them now, I think God, they're so unfinished. They need so much work. Whereas um, with a script now, the other thing to resist is not to send it out early. You might think it's done, you might think it's finished, let it sit for a week, put it away, go and do something else, go and work on something else. And you come back and you go, oh, my God, what was I thinking? You know, you'll see all sorts of gaps there. And it's difficult to know when it's ready. But if you're lucky, you might have some friends, you know, who can read it for you and give you an objective opinion. But, yeah, you've got to rewrite, rewrite, rewrite.
0: Got to love the rewrite, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And from there, it leads on to your next tip, which is just to finish it.
1: Mm, yeah yeah so many um you know so many writers i i know uh have been working on the same thing again and again and again for years you know and and sometimes you just have to you know just get to the end get to the end you you know there's that term the vomit draft just get that 90 or 100 pages down most of it's going to be rubbish but you've written the end and at least you can go back and start piecing it together again with with your rewrites you know this this idea that you will You know, no one ever shot their first draft. At least, none that was any good. Anyway, you know, it's uh, it's you you, yeah. Get to the end, finish it. Then at least you can put it away for a while. Start working on something else. Then go back to it and have another look at it.
0: Yes. Well, your next tip is something that's interesting that a lot of people mightn't have heard of before. But you said uh, you write your script three times.
1: Yeah, well this is this is the experience of production. This is, you know, you write it on paper, then it gets rewritten on set. And then you rewrite it in the edit, essentially, uh, you know, so the, the paper version is what you present to your producers and your actors and your crew. Uh, then reality kicks in and it's like, well, we can't use this location or we, you know, this, this, these two scenes are essentially doing the same thing. One of them has to go and blah, blah, blah. So and on set, you know, your actors will come up with uh, new bits of dialogue, which is great, Um, so you're changing stuff all the time on set you realise what works and what doesn't when you're on set and of course time is money on set so there's no point sort of insisting that they they work on a scene if you instinctively know that it's not going to work and the edit the edit was the most incredible learning experience because uh, we had done we had a brilliant editor called Matt Platts Mills who worked on Grabbers with John and I think Tormented before that as well he's got a really keen eye Um, but for a week we were lucky to have an editor called Mick Audley he's a bit of a legend and he was the guy who said to us um, there's a character who dies right at the beginning of the film but in our script he didn't die until sort of page 10 or 11 he said why, why don't you open up that and we're like, well, no, I don't know. We'll give it a go, Mick. Oh, he was so right. <laughs> it, it's 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 one of those things. And, you know, you sit in the test screens now and the kids are sort of fidgeting. Boom, someone is incinerated. And they all sit up and they're all paying attention. And, and they're all gripped. They're all totally hooked. This is a dangerous world. People get vaporized. Pay attention. It's one of the best notes we ever got. So you know stuff like that all the time. Uh, so yeah, yeah, definitely. It gets it gets written three times. Right. I was I was very lucky in that John allowed me to sit in on a lot of the edit. Partly because I was working on the novelisation, there were things I needed to see, but also you know partly just as a as a you know as another pair of eyes. You know, I sort of come in and out maybe once a week and see what they they been working on and you know just offer an opinion.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's even proving a vital learning curve for me. I think in terms. Oh, I of bet, management. I bet, absolutely. Yeah. Like just with sound design and music alone, it's that's almost like a dialogue polish in itself or a script polish in itself. Definitely,
1: absolutely, and again, you know, when you're when you come to write your your next thing, you'll be that that will inform how you write. That will definitely uh, change the way that you approach things next time around.
0: Yeah, all good stuff. And your yeah. your last bit of advice, which is great, it's just be yourself.
1: Yeah, to thine own self be true. And this is this is what I was saying about that, that, that sort of raucous comedy that I was offered. It just wasn't me. You know, and I, I think um write the stuff that you want to see and the stuff that you're gonna be living with for years and years and years with all these rewrites because uh, you know, it has to be you. It has to be it has to be a projection of yourself in some ways. And if you're lucky you'll you'll get latched onto projects which uh uh you know might, might not have originated from you but are definitely in your in your ballpark in your arena or if you're coming up with a spec script then especially if it's a spec script you know it has to be what you want to see because uh, people will judge you on it people will assume that you're that kind of writer and uh it's um yeah, it's Just for your sanity, of nothing else, you know, it's uh, it, there's nothing more dispiriting than working on something you you hate. Indeed,
0: indeed, and and mm-hmm. a, you know, a writing career is going to take time as well. So. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, definitely, definitely. It takes years. Yeah,
0: so. Uh, so you got to live in your own skin. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, that's all great stuff, Mark. We should probably wrap it up now. I'm taking up mm. too much of your time. No, uh, not at all. My pleasure. Before you go, though. I mean, you've had all the excitement of Robots and the TV series possibly on its way. Mm-hmm. What else is next for you? Uh,
1: well, John and I are putting the polish on a horror script um, that we've been working on. I don't want to say too much about it, but he's attached as director. We've got the producer attached. The producer is very, very happy with the rewrites. We're just making a few tweaks, uh, and we're hoping to take it out in the next few weeks and start raising finance. So um, it's really, really good. If I say so myself, it's in very good shape and um, we're very excited about it. So watch this
0: space. Great. And everything you've been focusing on has been UK-based as well. Hollywood hasn't come calling yet.
1: Well, I, uh, I've i been calling on Hollywood. I was in LA a few weeks ago doing that rite of passage of the, the British writer, which is going out there, getting lost in traffic and taking lots of meetings. Right. Uh, so, uh, and that was great. That was really, uh, really productive. It's a great time to do it because, you know, i kind of had robots uh, under my belt and people do take you a bit more seriously when you've had something released. Uh, and... I was pitching ideas to people out there, and uh, as a consequence, I've got a very long to-do list between now and the end of the year. There's some very open, all sorts of new doors, some very, very exciting opportunities. So um, it's uh, that's been great. That has been great. And the horror that John and I are working on, uh, we are looking to set in the states as well. So it's um, it's uh, it's it will be in that kind of you know American horror. Genre where you know they can make a movie for about five million dollars and it gets shown on screens all over the states. It's it's written very much with that market in mind.
0: Okay, sounds very exciting. Mm. I look forward to seeing lots more from you, obviously. Thank you, Dan. Online, uh, can can we kind of keep a track of what you're doing online? You're on Twitter,
1: yes. I'm on Twitter, just at Mark Say. I have a blog called Unusually Tall Stories, uh, and I'm doing all sorts of. um, Festivals between now at the end of the year as well because i I wrote the novelization i'm at nine worlds uh this friday uh i'm at the glance fest in all uh, october and also the bath children's festival uh, which is also in october i think so if you're any of those things do come and say hi
0: brilliant well thanks a again mark my pleasure thanks uh, for having uh, me on really appreciate it hope to meet you in person real soon
1: well, can I also just say, I'm a long-term fan of the uh, the podcast, and frankly, if you're know, if you a British writer and you're not listening to this podcast, you're definitely missing out. I've had some great advice from you guys, so I really <laughs> appreciate that. That's
0: the quote with the, uh, the oh, podcast yeah. now. You are, our, you are our fifth anniversary special, so thank you. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I'm very happy. So again, Tim sends his apologies, but um, just for the listeners, I've been Danny Stack. This has been the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. Uh, we're on ukscriptwriters.podomatic.com and you can contact us on ukscriptwriters at hotmail.com and we're on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else as UK Script So until then, thanks again to Mark. And Thank you. And we'll see you again soon.